0: Principal Matters Podcast, episode 351. Hi friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I am back with my co-host, Jen Schwanke, assistant superintendent or deputy superintendent you have one of those names jen like one of those <laughs> no. titles that that i always stumble across in dublin city <laughs> schools also author of three great books and um, jen i'm just so excited you know this is going to be coming out this recording at the beginning of july and i will have officially started principal matters llc as my full-time work
1: I'm so excited for you, Will. You've been working so hard for this, and boy, what a difference you're going to be able to make across the country and and beyond, probably.
0: Well, thank you, Jen. And if anyone's out there listening and you're like, well, what's that mean, Will? You can reach out to me separately, and I can happily share my PD schedule with you if you want To be bored by my nerdiness because, of course, I've already created a PD calendar, Jen, because it's so fun (laughs) to be able to to not just do this work part time, but to do it full time. So with my Grow Leaders Academy, the mastermind groups and executive coaching, those are the main things that I'm providing throughout Um, a lot of virtual trainings, but also some in-person events, too in keynotes of my books. You've been busy this summer too. And by the time we uh, release this recording, you'll just be getting ready to head north for a big event that you're going to be doing up in Canada. Tell us a little bit about what your summer looks like. Yes, I'm so
1: excited for that. I'm headed to New Brunswick and I'm going to do a four-day institute with the New Brunswick Teachers Association for their principals and their school leaders. And we're going to really dive deep. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to uh, talk about The primary issues facing principals these days, and you know, a lot of that really gets intertwined with our staff, our 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 teachers, our support staff, our administrative support, and so we'll be doing a lot of workshopping and problem solving. So I'm excited about that.
0: I'm excited too. (laughs) Um, I am because I'm looking at my show schedule. This is episode 351, and I've already tagged 352 for a group of administrators that I got to interview in person, Jen, um, a couple of weeks ago when I was in Palo Alto, California. So that team is going to be the guests on the show, just talking about a year of leadership growing together. And so um, Principal Matters listeners, um, just so I can whet your appetite for future conversations, you're going to hear a lot more from Jen Schwanke in the months ahead too, because Jen has agreed to stay on as co-host as we step into this new venture. So Jen, thank you so much for your leadership and your expertise. This week's topic is gonna be about how we can walk the road together with serving different generations. And and I wanna start this conversation by telling you a a story. Um, Back in June, I was invited to Atlanta, Georgia by Dr. Tim Elmore, who's the founder of Growing Leaders and his team at the Growing Leaders um, organization to be a part of a think tank. And so we spent an entire day together. There were about 17 of us in the room and they were um, his executive team members, some college interns, some uh, other education consultants, some business owners, um, an executive coach who was in the room and so we were and and the Georgia State Teacher of the year who I got to meet um Michael Cab- Cabido. and so that was just such a pleasure to be in a room with with people that that care so much about schools but here was the topic of conversation the topic of conversation was how are we serving this current generation these Gen Z students that so many of our our schools. This is the focus generation that we have right now. And of course we have an emerging generation that's coming up behind them now that they, that psychologists are still trying to find a name for. Some of them are calling them the silence or the silent generation. So I'm not sure what they'll land on, but in this conversation, Halfway through the day, we had a Zoom call with Dr. Jean Twang, who's the author of a new book called Generations, The Real Differences Between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, and Silence, and what they mean for America's future. And Dr. Twang is um, a professor at the University in San Diego, and she has done a lot of work in research around the advent of the smartphone, the use of social media, and its effects on teen anxiety and depression. And so here's a few things that came up in that conversation, Jen. One, from 2011 to 2019, teen depression has doubled. And Dr. Twing's research shows that we've seen increases in self-harm and depression that her data shows is correlated to the increased use of technology, including social media, among our kids. Students today sleep less. They interact less face to face than their predecessors. And according to Dr. Twang, um, the earlier a child, and this was astounding, but not surprising, the earlier a child has access to a smartphone, the greater his or her mental health challenges in comparison to their peers who wait later for access to those phones. So I, I want to pause there for a moment because as I think about how we are serving school leaders and the feedback that we get from them consistently about this generation, there are some challenges here that we didn't face before. There's some things that we're facing here with, with social media. There's some things that we're facing here with child anxiety that we haven't been facing before. These were some of the conversations that we were having as a group. And before I jump into some of the recommendations from Dr. Twang or some of the other thoughts that I had there, Jen, I just want to pause for a second, because how does that research fit in your own experiences?
1: Well, as you were talking about it, it of course is not surprising. It's bothersome, it's scary, but I think about research indicating the earlier a young person drinks alcohol, the more likely they are to have an addiction later. The earlier a child sees or is engaged in violence, the more likely they'll be engaged in violence later. So what this tells us is that early exposure to harmful inputs will create harmful outputs later. So we need to keep that in mind, especially as we work with parents about the power they have to say no. I did a a professional development once actually with a community and the title of the training was no is a complete sentence. It really is. (laughs) No, we can say no to our children. And as educators, we can come together and develop expectations and norms about the things that we will let our children see and do in our schools. I know many schools are struggling with the question of whether to allow cell phones. And, and I am not here to say the answer to anyone's dilemma there, but we have to keep this research in mind because it's consistent, not just about social media and phones. It's about any kind of early exposure to troublesome inputs. And and we just need to know that and, and keep it in mind all the time.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And Dr. Twing actually does make a recommendation in her work to, she would love to see policymakers, parents, schools raise like social media access to like the age of 16. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: when she said that, I, of course, we, 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 of course could ask questions. And I, and my question to her was just one of practicality and I wasn't trying to be disagreeable. I I just, but my question was in the society where we can't even seem to manage sensible gun laws, right. How in the world are we going to come up with consistency around social media access?
1: Well, I'm glad you said that because, uh, you know, many people who don't understand all of the pressures on our students and our teachers and our parents can say things like that. Well, let's just put it off till they're 16. Let's just put it off till they're 18. But uh, there's the common sense aspect of this too. We have to acknowledge that cell phones are here to stay. Social media is here to stay. And so we can't just ban them. (laughs) We have to be smart about how we educate around them. I if I had a dime for every parent who says, "Well, I meant to talk to my child about social media but I didn't know how to bring it up." Or I meant to put restrictions on my child's phone but it seemed really complicated to navigate the settings. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's this knowledge out there but there's a gigantic gap between the knowledge and the fear that we carry and a real life practical um response to it mm-hmm. so i'm actually one that i my kids did have a cell phone when they went into fifth grade and i had friends who said how can you do that and i said because we're going to do it smart you know, the cell phones still are are charged overnight in a common area. So that was, I, I didn't feel okay saying no to the phone or the social media. I did say, okay, feeling, saying no to 24 hour access to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I still check your phones, all of that. And so none of, none of this content is new, but we, we have to just find the place where our power does lie and it doesn't lie in simply banning them.
0: Right. Well, what I appreciated about this think tank was the opportunity to kind of wrestle with that tension because when we ended the meeting with her through Zoom, we were still together. And so we were all sharing some of those, some of the same things you've just said about addictions that we've faced in the past. You know, think about how much Americans were once addicted to tobacco compared to mm-hmm. the, the numbers mm-hmm. now. And so one of the things that Dr. Twang said in response to my question was, if social media and smartphones are a root cause, at least we can actually do something about it which is in, in other words at least the data is showing us that there is a connection so if we know there's a connection then therefore we can we can respond with better understanding which is how you just applied that in the practice of within your own family i think the other question that i raised among my peers in that group was how do we as educators create better understanding better awareness, the kinds of environments where we want to help students make better choices, also recognizing that a large percentage of our children do not have guardians or caregivers who are going to guide them
1: in those choices.
0: So you may have a a large number of parents who are, but then you're going to have another group of kids who don't have that same kind of care at home. And so it's not as easy as just saying, well, let's, pass a law or create a policy um when it comes to the implementation of a genie that's already out of the bottle this is Exactly
1: exactly and there's a lot of people who say well you know this this seems like a really new problem let's go back to the time before we had the problem <laughs> right yeah. let's just do things the way we used to do well you cannot succeed with a mindset like that because especially you know to tie back to your your conversation about generations, this generation is never going to say, let's go back to the good old days with the rotary phone on the wall. It's not going to happen. And yeah. so to pine for those kind of uh, natural barriers or the structures that did eliminate um, some of the issues we're dealing with today, it's, it's just not going to happen. So we have to evolve at the exact same time that we accept at the exact same time that we um, put structures in place to protect our kids.
0: Well, your um, your responses, Jen, are so much of what was going through my mind in this conversation too. And in fact, um, part of the conversation that we were having in this think tank was also with um, other leaders, um, business owners who are seeing some of the same dynamics that are affecting their workplaces or their school mm-hmm. settings mm-hmm. in ways that they haven't had to manage before. For instance, there was a an owner of a Chick-fil-A in the room and he was saying that you know prior to covid he could hire a young person a high school kid and have them for 3 to 5 years because they loved working there and it was a, a place where he could retain employment for a long time and he said since covid he's lucky to hold on to an employee for for 6 months mm-hmm. because because mobility because of 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 students recognizing they have other options because of the competitiveness of pay, all all these different things that are happening, but also because of the hard work involved, often he sees students choosing places where they're not going to be as stressed out either. And so there was there were some uh, there were some additional trends of like social trends that were coming into this conversation other than just social media. And if it's okay with you, I I want to sit here for just a minute because I actually wrote down five trends that I see currently kind of pushing their way into our work in schools and society, especially in the US. And I know these could apply outside the US too, but since I live here, I was thinking about how these work here. And I I shared these in this think tank, but then I did my due diligence afterwards and I actually looked up these trends to make sure that I wasn't off base, that, that research is supporting what I see. And so I'm going to put a companion post on my website to this episode, um, which is 351. And if you listeners want to look at the website, williamdparker.com and go to episode 351, I'm I'm going to list these trends and I'm going to put uh, a footnote with each of them as to the sources where you can look these up if you want to yourself. So I'm trying to be a good practicing <laughs> educator here, Jen, without just spouting things like they're right, knowledge. Good. I, I want to make sure that they're supported by by some, by some um, documentation. But, but here's five things that I see that are also affecting our work with students. One is we are an increasingly parentless generation. And what I mean by that is that <clears throat> when you compare the U.S. to other, especially Western nations, but really any other country in the world, nearly 30% of our U.S. children are now born into single-parent households and we have an alarming number of kids now being raised by either grandparents or other caregivers in general. So we have a new norm in our time where we are raising children or educating children who no longer come from um, homes where they have two parents present or maybe even a parent present. And that's a that's a new trend, Jen. That was not that way. Right. um just 25 years ago. The second um trend, and and I I am using some common wording just to make these memorable, but so right. so this may be a little um exaggerated, but I'm gonna say it this way. Two, we're an increasingly childless generation. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that US birth rates have been declining for for years now. And at the current rate um of childbirth in the US, our younger generation population will never replace the generation that's retiring. And so so suddenly we have fewer children than we've had in previous generations as well. And then number three, um, and this is connected to two, we're a retiring generation. So we have baby boomers are now leaving the workforce and we are not replacing them with the number, as those positions are being vacated, we do not have the equal number of adults to replace those positions that are being vacated. And the number four, and these are all connected, we are a grieving generation. When you think about the, the deaths that happened during the pandemic, just in the US alone, of the number of deaths that happened in the US People age 65 years and older were 800,000 of those 800,000 of those pandemic-related deaths. So we also so not only do we have this retiring generation, fewer children being born, but we also have the largest number of people who died in the pandemic were baby boomers. And then last but not least, and this this kind of surprised me, but I I looked it up anyway. <laughs> um, we're decreasing immigrant population. So even with all of the debates about the crisis at the border, immigration almost completely stopped during the pandemic. And so service industry jobs significantly declined. And there were an estimated loss of 2 million working age immigrants in 2021 alone. So even with both of the administrations that we've had trying to figure out what to do with immigration at the border, we have fewer service industry employees available to fill positions too. So how does that even apply to schools? Well, I think it applies a lot because all of these dynamics eventually make them their way back into our communities and into our schoolhouses and into our employment standards and the work that we do with kids too. So let me just pause there because I I threw all those things out there because I think sometimes it's just helpful for me to get some perspective and realize that, what we're swimming in with a lot of the difficulties we have in our schools is also connected to the, the waters that we're swimming in culturally too. Support for Principal Matters comes from DigiCoach and it's walk through tool. I want you to picture walking through classrooms, observing teachers and students, In just 10 minutes, you hope to see good instructional strategies and student learning taking place, or maybe you have some questions about something missing from instruction or planning. Instead of taking 30 minutes to write a follow-up email or leaving your teacher unsupported, wouldn't it be great to have an app on your phone or tablet where you could send immediate feedback while also collecting data? Enter... Digicoach, a customizable walkthrough and coaching tool created by school leaders for school leaders with thousands of pre-written, research-based commendations and coaching tips empowering you to provide quick, actionable feedback. Digicoach is not an evaluation tool. Instead, it is an easy-to-use feedback and coaching tool. An efficient way to store your notes and to collect data for improving student outcomes right in your hands. It can be used on iPhone, Android, or tablets and includes speech-to-text functions. Make the most of your walkthroughs with a tool that saves you time and enhances meaningful feedback to your teachers. Go to digicoach.com to learn more, and please tell them Principal Matters recommended you check them out. That's digicoach.com. Support for Principal Matters comes from School CEO. School CEO is the only marketing magazine for school leaders. Access hundreds of resources at schoolceo.com. You'll find original research on teacher recruitment and articles about how to improve student enrollment. School CEO also hosts one of the very best conferences for school leaders. Powered by AptiGee, School CEO Conference exclusively features keynote speakers and researchers without the pressure of vendor booths. It's a dedicated learning environment that feels different from the other conferences you attend. Join School CEO on September 25th and 26th, 2023. To challenge how you think about branding and culture, visit SchoolCEO.com and click the banner to sign up. You can save $100 off registration using Hashtag Will23 as your invite code. Again, that's schoolceo.com and hashtag Will23 to save $100 when you register.
1: Right. Right. It's, we're all interconnected, right? And that's why I, I say often that a society's trials and tribulations are directly um, tied to to a community and therefore a school. And so when, when trials and tribulations come up, when anxieties come up, when, when um, challenges come up, people look to the schools to fix them Mm -hmm. because the, the instinct is get to the young people, right? (laughs) Get to the young people and, and give them all the information that they need to have and give them all the Um, Red flags so they can see them, and then maybe they'll fix this mess, (laughs) right? (laughs) And that's why we have so much pressure on schools and school officials to intervene with with a problem. And so I think this really applies with the social media conversation that we're having, because Parents know that social media and phones and all of that is not good for young people, but they feel helpless as to how to stop it or how to control it. And so then they look at the schools and say, hey, schools, how are you going to stop this? How are you going to intervene? And, you know, again, that's an, an enormous amount of pressure to put on schools when it's a society that's in crisis. But I understand why, too, because, again, when you get to the young people, um, then there's hope, right? There's hope for change.
0: Mm-hmm. So here's what I want to do next, Jen, is <clears throat> I don't want to leave us in despair.
1: Right. Um, Let's talk uh, about something that that gives us hope. Yeah. So, so, and I
0: also, what it, I what I found when I was sitting in this think tank for a full day with all these other amazing people and educators and young people was most most of us that work in the setting, especially within the setting of education, we're fixers. You know, we, we want, okay, I see the problem now, let me come up with solutions. And- one of the dangers in that approach, though, as fixers, is that we often can become prescribers. Like we want to, here's a prescription for how to make this work for you. And I was really determined to be, to listen really closely and try not to become a, pres- a prescription person. So instead, what I did was um, I wanted. I wrote down three, what I think are just helpful responses. So this is kind of where I want to land this ship, Jen, and this conversation. And I would love your feedback, but these were based, again, on a lot of conversation, but this is kind of where I landed. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to now share just those three responses in, in, uh, in light of all of that data. Number one, um, I believe that we need to raise awareness by listening to one another for understanding. And what I mean by that is that, you know, with the advent of smartphones and technologies, you know, here are these algorithms that are designed to addict us to social media. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we recognize that this is just the new reality that we're in. And no one person is going to have the resources or the expertise or the wit to take on a billion-dollar industry and figure out how to fix human behavior now, so not one of us is going to be able to right. come up with the, the solution. But here's what I have found helpful is when you begin to have conversations about the water that you're swimming in, it raises awareness. And when people are aware, they start coming up with some pretty good ideas on their own. They don't have to be told what to do. Sometimes just being aware and understand, creating understanding helps guide better policies or procedures or ideas or, or family rules or classroom rules. So, so my first suggestion is let's, let's listen to one another. Let's, let's raise awareness and and have conversations.
1: And if I can just add an addendum, we have to share our experiences. We have to tell the stories, the true stories of, of what we live and what we experience. because listening to one another, Brings on a lot more meaning when there's that human connection. Mm -hmm. So this isn't about lecturing people who are already vulnerable and anxious and scared. This is about saying, hey, can I, can I tell you how this feels and looks and was for me? And then you tell me how it is for you. And, you know, if I can, again, make a tie to a a common addiction, alcoholism, this is something, again, a bazillion dollar industry. We're never going to say, okay, only people who can, can drink normally can drink. We're never, that's not what we can do, but what we can do is educate people and say, Hey, here's the risks. Here's the marketing. Here's the money that goes into this industry. Um, here's how you can be aware. Here's the stories that you might see from people that you love. So, um, Again, I'm tying that because it is about addiction and it is about access that our younger people have and don't quite know what to do with unless we talk about it
0: and listen. I love that. And that leads into point number two that I wanna make, which is we need to ensure that we can create places of safety and belonging. Yes. Because there's no greater concern right now being expressed by the current you know, societal condition we have, then the growing epidemic of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And not just among kids, but among adults too. Oh, yeah. And the remedy that people are seeking, and I heard someone call it the small emotional snacks of social media when really what you want is the feast of like real life face to face. Right. And I thought that's such a beautiful way to remind us that um we we've got to re examine what it means to create spaces where every, and let's talk about students and families, where every person in our community feels like they're safe in the place where they are. And this can only happen if we refuse to, to, and, and I'm just gonna speak to the culture that I see too, this can only happen if we individually refuse to separate ourselves into opposing groups where we're constantly focusing on what makes us different. And instead we try to find the things that make us, that we share alike. And so communities and schools that I see that are still places people want to be are the ones that are focusing on what unites us, not what makes us different. You want yes. to hear number two? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, want, I want you to go to number three. <laughs> All right. So and then the last one I want to share is this. And this one was actually inspired by a young man in the room who is a Gen Z student who's a who will be a college senior. Um and and, and this one is we need permission for young people to have their voices heard. And and this is, and I'm going to, I'm going to try, I tried to write down the, the exact thing that he said. Um, and I put this in my, in my notes, but as we were discussing all of these, like, what should we do and how should we respond? He raised his hand and said, can I speak up for my generation for just a minute? And I said, yeah. And he said, I, I was in, and I didn't, this is not in my notes. This is just from my memory. But he said, um, I was born the year that 9-11 happened. And every year of my life, I've known nothing but crisis. (laughs) That's pretty profound and 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 true. And he said, and he said, and and in a world, and this is is the quote I wrote down, he said, in a world where older generations seem to hold all the power, we young people don't see where we have an opportunity or permission to have a voice. And sometimes the only place that we found it is on this phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would agree with him completely. Yeah, and so so my response to that was I was so grateful, and I and I stopped to commend him and applaud him in person for 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 saying what he was feeling in that moment, and it's so true for his generation. So I'm going to speak of myself as an older generation person now, and I know how much I love quick solutions and fixes and remedies, but I think instead. I need to ask myself the question, how do I make sure that younger generations are not only at the table, but they have a voice in the decisions that affect their futures? How do we make sure that they're not only at the table, but they have a voice in the decisions that are affecting their futures? Because if we're not giving them that voice, they're going to go find it. Somewhere.
1: Right. They'll make a place they'll, mm-hmm. and, and it will be a loud and an angry place because they'll be frustrated they weren't heard. I always appreciate people in a room, you know, in, in meetings I attend or trainings that I lead. If someone says, well, wait a minute, we're talking about the students, but have, have we asked them? Have we asked them what they need? Have we asked them when they think? Mm-hmm. Those are the people I want to give a big hug because they're the ones who are remembering that, you know, a bunch of grownups, a bunch of boomers <laughs> making decisions for kids, it's, it isn't fair because it's one-sided. And it's based on a perspective of being a young person that simply doesn't exist anymore.
0: Well, Jen, I brought a very short um summary of this conversation to a group of leaders last week when I was hosting a state conference in Oklahoma at the time of this recording. And we were at a breakfast meeting. And so I just shared a little bit of the same content. And then I I placed the question back to them. And this is where the beauty of, of the conversation was, was because leaders, when you give them an opportunity to think about this and then start sharing their own ideas, this is where the magic happens. So here's the questions for you, Principal Matters listeners too, that I asked these leaders to share. And, it, and they began to give some real life examples of how they're trying to do this in their schools. One is in what ways might a roundtable discussion be good for your team or your teachers or your the students that you're leading to give them permission to sit and just talk about the tensions of what's going on in our society and listen. Two, how are you modeling how are you modeling healthy habits in your own use of technologies and in the world that we live with all these dynamics. And then three, um, what is just one, one thing you could do to begin to replace the snacking that happens that we, that we yearn that, that we're often using for connection. What's one way you could replace that with something that's more real so that you and other people that you're serving are having real life face-to-face conversations. And then last, but I'll, I'll add one more because I, I didn't have it in, in these questions here, but how do you make sure that you include student voice mm-hmm. in, in all of those conversations? So so Jen, I, I know we're coming to the end of, the, of this time, but thank you for letting me reflect on that with you because um, that was a day that I felt like I had a pretty deep dive into some conversations that I thought might be helpful for our listeners too. Right. Right. No,
1: I'm glad we talked about this because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things we talked about today, right? A lot of considerations, not only about how we view the experience of our students, but what that means for our future. And I love the data that you brought because that that's, I'm I'm still sitting here thinking about it and what that means for how, um, how we lead, how we educate and, and what kind of world we're going to live in.
0: Well, i want going to wrap it up by saying this, you know, the same young people that we see struggling with anxiety, they're also a generation of students who care deeply. Mm-hmm. They, and, and I looked up the research on this too, Jed, they are more interested in respecting diversity than any other generation before them. They care deeply about finding solutions for things like global warming or ending school violence. They understand the world into which they've been born and they want to do something about it. And so I'm just so grateful that we have the opportunity to not only be in the middle of the lives of kids who are struggling, but also kids who are going to be influencers and solution finders for the things that are happening too. And I don't think we're going to find those solutions together unless we're walking this road together. Right. So easy to talk about them but it's a whole lot more productive to walk with them. Right, exactly. And so Principal Matters listeners, as we wrap up this week, um, where, whenever and wherever you're listening to this, it might be summer, it might be some, you're listening to the archives, but you're gonna be reconnecting with students soon and with teachers soon. I just wanna encourage you to walk together with them um, as you, even as you swim through the craziness of everything that's happening within our culture that even affects how hard it is to hire teachers, um, whatever it is that you're doing, um walk together with others and be intentional to provide them space for listening awareness and voice um well jen thank you for reflecting on that with me and principal matters listeners thank you you can always stay connected with us of course through our websites i'll just say yours jen JenSchwanke.com. yes (laughs) easy or mine dparker.com but until next time thanks for doing what matters and we'll talk to you soon thanks everyone You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about Leadership academies, mastermind offerings and executive coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at, will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today. And thanks again for doing what matters.